It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Back together for another Saturday morning. Hey there, welcome to Green and Growing. Thanks for sticking around here on 95.5 WSB. I'm Ashley Frasca in the seat for the next three hours with you to talk about gardening and can't wait to hear from you. 404-872-0750 is the number. Fall is such an active time in the garden, and I know many of you have a lot of questions, maybe unusual things you're seeing or things you are ready to try, those things on your to-do list. And speaking of your to-do list, that's something we do every show. If you are new to the show, that's a feature I'm really proud of that we try to do at least once an hour, either before the bottom of the hour or before the top of the hour, just giving you three things to do in the landscape. If you do nothing else, these three things are timely, they're simple enough, and I explain the why and the how, what way you need to do these things. And so I've got a guest with me today that's going to help with the to-do list. I was recently at the Dunwoody Nature Center for the first time. I can't believe it. I'm a native Atlantan and had never been to the Dunwoody Nature Center. And so Michael Cowan is the executive director there. And I picked his brain for some things that maybe he would be actively doing. So the top three things to do in the landscapes can sound a little bit different because I have someone's help and I may do that. I may just go around and interview different people and find different people and ask what their opinions are and what kind of things they're working on. And speaking of that, people, people with opinions, people that know what to do, Mickey Gasway, so many of you Remember her from the show with Walter Reeves. She would be on at 8.30 every Saturday, and I still keep in touch with her. We're great friends, and of course, we keep in touch with Walter. And so Mickey is going to be joining us from 7 to 8 o'clock and helping me answer your garden calls. So again, 404-872-0750. Really glad to have the knowledge and the passion and the expertise coming from our friend Mickey Gasway. And I mean, she's she's great at everything. She She knows a lot and tries a lot of different things. And takes very good note of her successes and her failures. But one thing that I just love asking her is plant identification and plant recommendations because she has seen it all with all of her years at Pike Nursery, what works where, what grows well, what size it grows to. So if that's something you're thinking about and need some recommendations, like I do, I, I need to know what right now I can plant at the mailbox because the snapdragons finally just got too brittle, died. I had to yank them up, which I hated to do. And so now I need something that can take full sun, not the best soil, uh, around the mailbox right up at the street. But uh, So I'm definitely going to ask Mickey that. I think that's question number one. So And then uh, we'll get into fall caterpillars. Now, last Saturday, we spoke to Walter about the venomous type. And so he's going to be calling in at the bottom of the hour this morning to talk about just why they're good, how they can be bad, but they're also beneficial to your landscape and what to do about them. Hour number two is Mickey Gasway. And then we're also going to feature a new segment today. I'm telling you all of this stuff that you don't want to miss for the show. Uh, every Saturday in the month of October, my favorite month of the year, hands down. I think we have like five Saturdays this month, too. Let me see. Halloween is one. Yeah, we do. We have five Saturdays this month. So I'm going to start a new segment at 650 Every Saturday this month with the Georgia Forestry Commission and Seth Hawkins, a forester, is going to be joining us live on the phone 
at 6.50 every Saturday for Leaf Watch, Georgia Leaf Watch. And we are going to be going over the trees that are changing color and that are the most colorful each week at that time. And then also where some of the best views are, whether you're in northwest Georgia, northeast Georgia. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's just going to be a four or five minute update from the Georgia Forestry Commission every Saturday. But something to be thinking about and just helping the local economy and tourism. If you just want to pop the family up to the North Georgia mountains one weekend, we will tell you where to go and what to be on the lookout for. So stay tuned for that. All right. Without further ado, getting a lot of calls already. And the first one, appropriately enough, is Nicole in Griffin. Hey, Nicole, good morning. Ashley. Now, I think we've been over this before, but for people who haven't heard it, Nicole, or have not heard you on the show before, you've been on with with Walter for years and now with me. Uh, what is your nationality? People guess that you are from all parts of the world, <laughs> and usually they're not right. <laughs> I'm French-Canadian. There it is. There it is. I've had a lot of guesses, and I'm like, no, no, Nicole's accent isn't that. So French-Canadian, I love it. <laughs> yeah, because in Canada, there's only one province, which is Quebec, that we still kept our, our um, born uh, speaking French, but the rest of Canada, is, they all speak English. Wow. Ontario, Vancouver, and you know, but only Quebec. They're just hanging there. And uh, was in a, when I was in the school, I wanted to learn the English language. But if your parents was not English, they didn't want us to go to the uh, to the school, English school. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. All right, now tell me, years and years ago, when you were growing up in Canada, you were younger. Did you garden up there, or did you really wait and get into it when you moved to Georgia? No, because we was brought up on the farm, and all my brother, brother and sister, we, uh, my father was really passionate about growing stuff. Even when you retire, you had to have some flower around the house and everything, you know. So, uh, but here, when I got here, oh, God, you can garden 12 months out of the year. Oh, yeah, for sure. Over there, when it gets to September, you know, uh, already frost over there, everything, you know, a killing frost, like uh, my sister, she lives in the mountain, mm-hmm. and all the leaves are already down and everything, you know, so uh, they're limited in time. I tell you, it just comes like a tidal wave from the north to the south because I've been following Jim Cantori from the Weather Channel on Twitter, and he shares some awesome pictures that that viewers share with him of the leaf change. And you're right, the leaves are probably already fallen up there. But in the last week or so, even two weeks, they have shown such colorful photos of the leaf change like in Vermont, New Hampshire, and we're not near you know that at that stage yet we're not near that colorful usually the best show is about mid-october but yeah it's just funny how kind of like a tidal wave it comes south and and the cold weather eventually gets us all except maybe florida (laughs) Uh, it's because we have a lot of maple trees yes and maple i mean they can turn us we have japanese maple will turn too i mean there are just sure one is in the front is bright red the one in the back of the shade is bright yellow Oh, beautiful. But they are so, you know, same, same stock, because that's an older man that gave me uh, two of his, you know, and uh, they depending where they plant. But uh, I think the best one, I think it's maple. That, I think, there's know. so many varieties, yeah, and, and they're cold hardy, so that's good. And they're also, aren't they like the National Tree of Canada? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's on the flag. I did know that. Well, so what did you want to discuss today? Well, uh, I had the star anise. Do you know what they are? 
the uh, green, evergreen. Uh-huh. That's why I plant next to the house, you know. And uh, the uh, the uh, they produce some little, uh, like that's what they call it, star, like star shaped, like a dime. And uh, this time of the year, you can pick them up and cook them. But before you cook them, you put you bring them inside to dry a little bit. Yeah. But it's so funny because the seed will hit the ceiling. Oh, it'll pop out? Big time. Oh, boy. <laughs> I think it's so funny because they, I entertain the cats, you know. But I was thinking nature is so well. There's such an order for the seed to just go everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Even, and, I mean, to even, have that perfect yeah. shape. So star anise. Or, or anise, however you want to say it, is yeah. an evergreen tree, has white flowers, really beautiful, and then the seed pods are perfect. It almost looks like some kind of little Christmas decoration, like a perfect star shape with the seeds in each of the, the blades of the star, so to speak. Yeah. The best part is once you crush or when you, you're just near, uh, it have a nice smell. Um, it's like a perfume smell, and you can, you know, put the leaves inside your house and dry them, and for years they're still going to smell. Wow. Yeah. Now, how does it taste? Part. Have yeah, you tasted it? Uh, you can crush them, but you can make jelly with those little things, too. Oh, you interesting. Cook them and uh, make jelly. I tried that one year, you know. But the the best, it's like a weed. You know, sometimes weeds just touch and, and thousand seeds going to uh, go everywhere. Yeah, know? there's one. I can't remember what it is, but that's what I thought of when you said that. In the springtime, it's got little white um, seeds on the tips, and it's almost like little pieces of rice. And, man, when you try to pull that weed ah. up, it pops everywhere. I cannot, uh, I can't think of the name of it, but it just, it, yeah, it goes, it goes nuts. It goes everywhere. Well, so when you Google star anise, A-N-I-S-E, Really, the the main thing that comes up is cooking with the ground spice. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why about those two, but uh, you put them, uh, they need shade. Uh, They need the moisture from the foundation, you know, too close from the foundation. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're going to be successful because uh, a proper gate, we put a brick and it's going to make more and more and more. But they can uh, be tall, so every year you have to go and this time of the year, I think, is a good thing. Because it's, this time of the year, if you cut anything, it gives them a little time to recuperate. It does, yeah. It has to heal over the wound from being cut, but also it's going to you know, invigorate new growth, which yes. is probably fine now, but I wouldn't prune much later because that new growth has got to get stable and sturdy enough to where when we do have that first frost, it doesn't kill it off. Yeah. yeah. And by taking the seed off, it gives them a chance to recuperate. Yeah, you're actually doing it a favor. That's right. Yeah. Do you have one in your landscape, a star anise? I have two, one side be, beside, uh, one each other beside. But I had to cut them because... Uh, they get they can get tall, not that tall, uh-huh. but uh, you know. So, but uh, well, that day, yeah, I smell that and it's big time. Oh, I love <laughs> it! And one of the things in my landscape that smells really good right now, it's right by the front door, strategically so, is a tea olive. Oh, the tea olive smells great. Every now and then you'll get a whiff of it, but if you just really get your nose in on the bush, and it's tiny, tiny little white flowers, but they grow in clusters. Gosh, it smells so good. 
Oh, uh, we. Uh, I think all the landscape, all knows, is really uh, sensitive. Yeah, and you've got this cool, dry air, which I would think the smells and the fragrances would carry a little bit better. You know, we, the summer humidity, a smell is not going to get that far through the thick air. But now you've got a breeze blowing, and you really get to smell a lot of different things in your landscape that maybe you didn't stop for before. Well, Nicole, I'm glad you checked in. I want to see those star anise or anise in your yard. We'll do it. Yes, okay. anytime. Yeah, we'll do it. Well, hey, have a good Saturday. I'm really glad you called. Ashley, right. have a good day. You too. I'll talk to you soon. 404-872-0750. You can be up next if you call WSB right now. You're listening to Green and Growing. I'm Ashley Frasco. We'll be right back. And in case you haven't figured it out yet, you can also listen cozy in your bed. Just pull up the WSB Radio app or download it for free. So the weather update today, sponsored by Finley Roofing, Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz says high of 71 today. It's going to be clear, maybe lows around 50 degrees and sunny tomorrow. Yay, need good weather on a Sunday. High of 74 and low around 52. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. All right, number one, delay harvesting vegetables as long as possible. Keep them on the vines or on the plant. And winter squash and sweet potatoes may be about ready. So cure sweet potatoes first for five to ten days, and then you want to store them in a dark place around 60 degrees, a place that's a little humid, and they can be stored for months. I'm getting ready to hopefully harvest mine in the next week or two. And number two, it's the first weekend of October, so put out pumpkins and mums and pansies. For great fall color. And number three, work to repel deer and rabbits. I know they are out and about right now and looking for things to eat. Organic products like plant skid or bonide gra- uh, granular repellents. And even listeners have recommended Deer Scram is the name brand of something. Or Irish Spring Soap. If you crumble that up and sprinkle it around, that smell may deter them. And you can make your landscape just less attractive to deer by what you plant and how you plant. The closer to the house you plant things, that's going to be a little bit of a deterrent. And plant them in containers, that way you have control over them. And deer also don't like rough textured leaves. And examples of of that would be something like coneflower or Brazilian verbena, or even think maybe lamb's ear or sow's ear. I don't I forget which one you call it, but they're going to be deterred by those things. So coming up for the next t- time around that we do the garden to-do list, I am going to have Executive Director Michael Cowan from the Dunwoody Nature Center throw in his two cents about a couple of things you can do. And I want to talk to Black and Jackson when we come back planting greens. Is it too late? Maybe mustard greens, collard greens, all those kinds of things. I've got some good news for Black. And I want you to call in as well, 404-872-0750. And coming up already on hold at the bottom of the hour, Walter Reeves. We're going to get into a discussion about caterpillars. Stay tuned. You're listening to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Never any shortage of topics to bring up with former lawn and garden show host Walter Reeves. Hey, I'm Ashley Frasca now hosting Green and Growing right here on your radio 95.5 WSB. So 
every week. Walter is gracious enough to sit with us and tell us what he's been seeing, what he's been observing, and things that maybe you all have shared with him, trends and things in the landscape that we're wondering about. So last weekend, had a great conversation about venomous caterpillars. Today, we're still talking about some of the little fuzzy guys and what you need to do and what you need to not do with them. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG Garden Guru, Walter Reeves. As promised you, last Saturday, right here on Green and Growing, we reserved this half hour of the show for Walter Reeves coming on to help school us a little bit in something seasonal, things we may be experiencing in our lawns and our landscapes right before our own eyes. And this one's definitely going to be something that a lot of fall (laughs) gardeners see. Good morning, Walter. Good morning, Ashley. So this is a pleasant little topic. We're talking about caterpillars again. Last week, we talked about venomous ones. Yikes. No bueno, scary, move on. But they are necessary in our landscape, and that's how we ultimately see moths. I don't know. Butterflies, sure. Yeah, and butterflies. I don't know how beneficial some of these guys are, but you're getting ready to tell us all about it. It's not so pleasant either. You said pleasant, and I sort of chuckled to myself. As promised last Saturday, I said, I will tell you what their favorite hobby is. Oh, and it's not something pleasant like knitting sweaters or cooking meals? No, they, they don't no, do no, that? no, no, no. Reading stories to the children? No, no, no. <laughs> what a caterpillar loves to do is poop. That is their favorite thing in the whole wide world is poop. And I got an email two weeks ago from a lady who said, we this fall has been so pleasant. We sit out on our patio and we uh, have breakfast out on the patio. And there's all these things, these seeds, as she said, seeds coming down from the tree above our patio that shades it. I'm wondering what these seeds could be. And she sent me a picture of that seed. Oh. And I looked at it and I thought, honey, <laughs> don't look up. <laughs> oh, no. Does it sound <laughs> like it's raining? Of caterpillar poop raining out of the tree. Oh. Yeah. Wow. All right. So how do we know the distinction between that's what that is and just something falling off the trees? Uh. <laughs> that's what it is, huh? I was going to say taste it, but that's no, not what no, no, say, no, is it? No, 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 no. Um, they, uh, under pretty close examination, you can see the ridges on the side of caterpillar poop. It looks like a little hand grenade. That's exactly what it looks like, a little hand grenade. Tiny, they're only, some of the small ones are only about an eighth of an inch big, and the big caterpillars, when they're big and mature, can make one about a quarter of an inch. But the hand grenade, that's what it looks like. My goodness. Okay, so their favorite activity, that's it. I thought you were maybe yeah. going to say defoliating I mean, trees, or I didn't know. A caterpillar is nothing but a stomach with legs. Oh. All a caterpillar is, they want to eat, fill a stomach full of leaf parts, and poop out what they don't need and grow bigger and eventually make a pupa or a chrysalis or something to make a butterfly or a moth. And so as they, you know, as I said, they, they poop all this stuff out, it falls and sounds like rain or seeds or whatever this lady was thinking about. And so I advised her to probably postpone the rest of her breakfast uh, <laughs> meals outside for the rest of the fall or do it under an umbrella or something like that. Now, at what point are they in their life cycle? Is this just a busy time of year for them? Yeah, for some caterpillars, this is their busy time of year. Other caterpillars, like the tenth caterpillar that comes in the spring, that's their busy time. But this is the time of year for the fall. Uh, let's see, the orange stripe oakworm is now. The uh, walnut moth is now. Boy, they make a lot of poop. Um, what else would be up in the, in the trees right now? They, the one that makes a huge, a huge poop and looks terrible. It's very scary. Is a hickory horned devil. It's the most scary, venomous looking caterpillar you'll ever see. It's like as big as a hot dog sometimes, actually. It's huge. Green, orange, nasty looking, 
totally innocuous, totally non-venomous. But the poop that they make is that's an easy quarter inch big. All right, you just had me look it up on your website on WalterReeves.com. <laughs> I literally typed in Hickory Horned Devil, and there he yeah, is. Oh, devil, sure. we've talked about him because he reminds me of one of those floats in like a Chinese lantern uh-huh. parade. Uh-huh. Like that's yeah. what he looks like. The dragon, yeah, exactly. Well, yes, yes, and he is harmless. Okay. You probably see a picture. Is there a picture on there of Christy, my across the street neighbor, who yes. is she's eight got years it. old holding so it? Yeah, she's got it on her finger, so that's yeah. harmless. Okay, and then the moth, it turns out to be, is beautiful. You would never know. Oh, beautiful, yeah, a regal moth. Yeah, nice. The good thing to know about all these caterpillars in the trees right now in the fall is they're there for a very short time. They're there, as I said, just to eat, 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 get bigger, bigger, and finally turn into the pupa or the chrysalis that they're going to be. And so they'll only be in the trees for a week or two, maybe. And so if this lady wants to just keep her <laughs> keep her eyes outside and keep her hand maybe outside to see if anything falls from the tree, as soon as the things stop falling from the tree, she can go back to having her orange juice and scrambled eggs outside. Now, so the caterpillars are maybe only busy for the next week or two, but yeah. one that I fight with a little bit, I guess I would say, is a webworm. So yeah, like fine, if he's done, whatever, yeah. but the web is left there all the way into the wintertime, and it just looks yeah. so unsightly on the tops of a lot of trees. Ugly, ugly, ugly. Pecan trees have the fall webworms in them, and it looks like a huge spider web, mm-hmm. I guess, in the middle of the, in the, leaf, in the foliage of the tree. And fall webworms are a fabulous example of the best control you can do for them. It's not a spray. It's to get it with an old uh, fishing pole or long, long rod or something like that with a hook on the end and pull the webbing away. And all the hornets, all the yellow jackets, all the wasps in the neighborhood say, great, great. They have that, that covering over. We can get in there to eat them. And they will come and eat your caterpillars for lunch and dinner and breakfast. So just pull the webbing away and control with natural enemies. Yeah, anytime we can recommend more of a organic way of treatment or just something manual you know, where you don't have to use a chemical, that's ideal because chemicals a lot of times, right. say BT, that, that is one insecticide that, you know, we recommend for caterpillars throughout the year, but it's not necessarily selective. So that could be harmful to other things too. Yeah. So talk to me and... more about the oakworm. Cause I, when you said that, I've seen pictures of that too, folks trying to get that identified online with the orange yeah. stripes, right? Yep. Two orange stripes down the back, very distinctive orange, maybe it's a little yellowish maybe on the back. And the way you know them is when you look at your little oak tree or a limb of your oak tree, it will sit, be just totally stripped. The leaves of the, the little veins left on the on the branch, all the green you know, part of the leaf will be gone. And again, a pile of, pile of caterpillar poop on the ground underneath. But again, two weeks and they're gone. That's all it takes. Well, so there's really nothing. I don't even recommend any kind of control for them. Again, that the hornets and yellow jackets have something to eat and Leave them to the nature to, to control. They don't necessarily come back the next year at all. I had one near my house. It was had the oak hornworms. Who was that? It was about 2002, I think, that I saw the hmm. oak worms in that oak tree, and they never come back to that tree. That was my next question for you. Are they exclusive only to oaks, given their name? This particular or? one, yeah. Yeah, this particular one is. Some are more omnivorous, eat lots of tree leaves. But the orange striped oak worm is, it eats oaks. That's what it does. I saw some beginning a few weeks back, um, and some that I had seen must have had a mishap and falling out of the nearest oak tree because they were just left to die and curl up in the uh, heat. They were either on the parking lot or in the middle yeah. of the tennis courts, and they have no chance of survival there. No, not at all. Birds lead them. That'll be fine, too. 
All right, so Walter, you may have one more for us. We're continuing our conversation here about fall caterpillars, but those that are not venomous. They are not harmful at all. They're just fun to look out for. But this next one is something I've not heard of. The fritillary caterpillar, the gulf fritillary caterpillar, is the caterpillar stage of the gulf fritillary butterfly. And I love it because it feeds almost exclusively on passion vine. And you may not know what a passion vine looks like. What if I say, if I say maypop? Yes. Lots of audience right now know exactly what a maypop is. It's a little fruit. It's a chicken's egg, I guess, green. And it is wonderful for ammunition to throw for your brothers and sisters and neighbor kids and all. And the fritillary butterfly lays eggs on the leaves of the passion vine. And the eggs develop into this fritillary caterpillar oh. that is orange, black, has little spiky things on it. Again, looks looks terrible, dangerous, but it's not. And it's just so much fun to see them can devour the passion vine because they love passion vine leaves. And uh, the butterfly itself is pretty attractive too. But I love seeing the fritillary caterpillars. There'll be 15 or 20 of them on a leaf. So they just eat, 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 eat until they change into the next form. How long do they stay alive? Which ones, the caterpillars or the... Just in general, I mean, do they live season to season or they die off with the weather? Yeah, it's the, the season. Their their lifespan is measured by spring. They hatch late summer with the fertility. Caterpillars, caterpillars eat. They metamorphosize into the pupa, no, chrysalis, chrysalis. Chrysalis overwinters uh, under a sheltered place. And then the butterfly itself hatches out in the spring, goes to lay their eggs on the leaves, then the eggs hatch out in the fall, blah, 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 blah. So it's a yearly phenomenon. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, year after year after year. Well, Walter, thank you so much. I've learned a lot, a lot more than I ever knew about caterpillars, and we'll be on the lookout. And for anybody that wants to see pictures of, you know, the three or four that we mentioned, how can they do that? Well, go to my website. I have pictures of lots of the venomous and non-venomous caterpillars. I have them on my website. And just type in, you know, caterpillar or venomous or not or fritillary or orange ripe oak worm in the search line. You've got all the pictures you need. All right. We'll talk to you next Saturday. Next Saturday is a big topic as well. I want to talk about weed identification. We need to do Ooh, that yeah. about once a Gotta month because there's so many. <laughs> and that'll coincide with that a photo album that you and I work on together, Weed of the Week, on the Facebook yeah, page. Right. Yep. Cool. All right. I look forward to it. Thank you, Walter. Pretty easy forecast for your weekend. First weekend in October. I love it. Uh, this brought to you by Finley Roofing. Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz telling us a high of 71 today. It's going to be clear, a low in the 50s, and then a high of around 74 tomorrow for Metro Atlanta. Another sunny day, and it's going to be dry this weekend. So I love that. So I told you, well, I've been telling you on social media all week, but earlier in the show that this is a new feature for every Saturday in the month of October and my favorite month. Thank God we have five Saturdays this month. The Georgia Forestry Commission is going to be checking in at this same time every Saturday this month to talk about leaf change, leaf color, the hows and the whens and the whys to all of that. And I'm so happy to be joined by Seth Hawkins with the Georgia Forestry Commission. And this is the only place on Atlanta Radio you're going to get this info every weekend. So, Seth, thank you guys very much for giving me the exclusive on this. Uh, no problem. Thanks for uh, having us, Ashley. And so this is something, too. It's it's public knowledge. Folks can go to the Georgia Forestry Commission website and they can see the LEAF report. But talk to us a little bit about what, how this makes your job different this time of year and what you guys are out on the lookout for in the month of October. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we have foresters, you know, going all across the state every day, um, helping with, you know, uh, forest management and tree management advice. 
So as our foresters, especially in the north part of the state, are out and about, they uh, just kind of keep their eyes peeled for maybe some of the best spots with the current, you know, uh, most vivid fall leaf color change. Because um, we know everybody's always trying to track down that, quote, peak of fall leaf color, but it really is a moving target because it bounces around depending on a lot of factors. So they're just kind of providing everybody some tips and um, just some um, ideas of where maybe to go see the best fall leaf color. I love that. And also for gardeners who appreciate all this info, if they're thinking about planting trees in their landscapes and their yards and fall is the best time to do that with color in mind, you know, picking out the proper trees that are going to show them some pretty color other than just a maple. There's so many other options. So let's kind of talk about that, Seth. Like what are some of the first trees right now that we're already starting to see change? Yeah, so usually your um, fall leaf color is kind of kicked off by your decreasing daylight hours as earlier sunsets kind of drives a lot of the yellow pigment buildup. And then as the cooler temperatures and leaf abscission starts, um, that drives the red pigment buildup. So that's where you get all of your yellows, your reds, your oranges, it's all those color, you know, variants. Um, but really it kind of gets kicked off with some some species, sourwood starts to turn real early. We're seeing that up in the higher elevations. Um, our dogwoods are already starting to turn their mm-hmm. deep red. Um, the birches are starting to have some of their yellow and gold as well as the yellow poplar. Um, so those are ones that you would find out in the woods, but, you know, black gum also. Um, you might have planted in your backyard, and if you're at the higher elevations, um, this week you might start to see some color change in the coming weeks, hopefully, across the whole north part of the state. That's amazing. So the, the decrease in daylight hours and the temperature, like uh, our meteorologist, Kirk Mellish, and I were kind of going back and forth on Twitter yesterday. You know, the temperatures now that we have, like you're waking up this morning to the mid to high 40s. So those temperatures in the 40s are around that level, too, that triggers more of the color change. So when folks look at this leaf report, you know, that comes out every week with you guys, Seth, uh, we split North Georgia into northwest and northeast. And what's kind of the dividing line there? How do we know where we are and what we're looking at? Um, you know, I, if there's an official dividing line, I'm not really sure of it. Um, I know our our regions for that state, for our um, community foresters, kind of divide between Fannin and Dawson County. It's kind of the split between northwest and northeast. But, um, you know, we really kind of, when we're talking about fall leaf color, we kind of differentiate there because the elevations just increase as you get to the northeast part of the state, um, just kind of gradually and overall. So, um, that kind of drives earlier fall leaf color and sometimes more vivid and thorough fall leaf color just because of the higher elevation. So that's kind of why we break it down there. Um, but our foresters are, you know, finding good fall leaf color in both parts of the state. In northeast um, Georgia, they're finding around Brasstown Ball and such is. And uh, Richard Russell Highway was a good suggested um, pretty drive already. In the northwest part, they're um, finding it up on Lookout Mountain, Cloudland Canyon, uh, Mountain Cove Farms area, kind of coming down the mountain into Walker County. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're already seeing it in the higher elevations, kind of around Fort Mountain a little bit, but not as much as Lookout. But, um, yeah. Well, great. We want folks to maybe plan some family trips. There's not a whole lot you can be doing right now, but socially distance, get out in nature, take the kids outdoors, and they're really going to be able to explore a lot in North Georgia and just help the tourism industry up there for sure. Get ready to plan some great family trips to North Georgia. How can folks be on the lookout for this on their own, Seth, and how can they get this information about the LEAF report? Um, yeah, so on um, all of Georgia Forestry Commission's social media, we're sharing the LEAF report. Um, also on our website, if you just do an Internet search for Georgia Forestry Commission uh, LEAF Color Report, um, it'll be the first hit on there um, on, the, on the search. And there's a lot of resources there, links to our blog that's um, been talking about fall leaf color, the Georgia State Parks LEAF Watch, like 
just all sorts of other um, Leaf Watch um, resources that are out there. And uh, we just kind of want to make everybody make sure everybody has the best information. One thing I will say, um, because of everyone wanting to get out, like you were talking about, mm. there's a lot of traffic, um, oh. supposedly more, um, more so than normal. So everybody's kind of planned around that. Um, if you can do a weekday, maybe do that if you want to have a little more solitude. Um, but just be prepared for the traffic volume to be a little higher than normal. Good advice. And you're a, a man after my own heart because you're mentioning traffic, Seth. Well, Seth Hawkins of the Georgia Forestry Commission, thank you so much. We're going to do this again next Saturday and give you the best times for peak leaf color in Georgia. 658, we'll be back on Green and Growing on WSB. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.